This is Amber and Ian, Marcel Louis-Jacques, though, filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Find him at Marcel underscore LJ. Find me as well at Amber W Sports. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Triple Eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. If you want to join the conversation, Marshawn Lynch, the former NFL running back, he's always joining the conversation in various ways, and he joined the conversation on Club Shay Shay, and he said something really interesting, Marcel, about Russell Wilson. Now he was asked. What went wrong with Russ and Pete Carroll in Seattle? Take a listen. Look, man, I'm gonna tell you straight up. I'm, I'm, I'm not the. I wouldn't be the the, the right person to to speak on their relationship because I didn't like. I didn't. I didn't f- with them. You feel what I'm saying? So you didn't mess with who? I didn't f- with with Pete. Uh-huh. And then I mean, you know, Russ was like just a quarterback for me. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, so it wasn't as you didn't have no relationship. You didn't have no kind of a relationship. Y'all didn't. Y'all didn't like go to a go go to a party. Y'all didn't get together. Y'all didn't do it. Y'all didn't kick it like that. So the thing is, I mean, you know, I respect Russell as you know, feel me as a player and as a teammate. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, anything that I say, you feel me, because of the situation, you know, throwing the pick on the goal line, not giving me the ball, this, then the third, him, you know, leaving from Seattle, you know, going over to the, anything that I say is gonna come off as you know malice. Or as if I'm, you know, a hater, or right. because I mean, you know what, I, you know, I, I, I'll take Russ and I'll put him right there at quarterback and I'll rock with him right. because I have done that. Right. But I mean, you know, as far as anything else, it's like it, there's y'all no, didn't have a relationship outside of football. No, nah, there's no. I mean, it, you can't right. pick up the phone and and and, and call oh right. boy or nothing. Right. And then I mean, you know, what you mean you couldn't pick up the phone? I mean, I don't got his number. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't have his number. He said that. He never had his number. I believe he even told a story about Russell Wilson calling him one time and star 67, the number, whatever you, whatever you do to block your number so that Marshawn Lynch wouldn't have his number. I, I mean, these are sorts, the sorts of stories that we've heard time and again, frankly, about Russell Wilson. But what do you make of this one, Marcel? I'm not surprised at all because you know, the way he came into to his tenure in Denver and a big reason why I feel like last year was such a disaster is because Russell Wilson is more interested in being Russell Wilson than he is in being a, a real quarterback right now. Like, he's so obsessed with his brand and his image and this and that and all this Broncos country, let's ride, and the subway commercials and all of that, that he's not putting in work where it really matters, which is connecting to his teammates. And, you know, this is something Richard Sherman has said, Doug Baldwin has said, obviously Marshawn Lynch has said that he struggled to do throughout his career, and he was pretty much babied and pampered. And enabled, I think the word is, by uh, by Pete Carroll in, in Seattle for however long. It, this wasn't that case. It was just a perfect disaster. But yeah, nothing, no story I hear about Russell Wilson being a weird teammate. I don't want to say bad teammate, but like a weird teammate. It, it, it's weird to call a teammate from a restricted number because you're so obsessed with not getting your personal information out there. Like that's that's a strange thing to do. Especially somebody like Marshawn Lynch, who has done nothing but keep it real with people throughout his career. Like, this is just, it's a weird vibe. So nothing I hear about that will ever surprise me at this point. And Marshawn Lynch has no reason to lie. He's never been known to lie. He's never been, he's barely been known to talk to the media. I wouldn't expect him to lie when he gets in there. He has no incentive to. So yeah, I I believe this story 100%. It's weird. And 
you know, I, I wish I could say it's a wake-up call for Russell Wilson, but of course it won't be because he set in his ways. He's got his contract. He is who he is at this point. Marshawn Lynch has a funny way of not talking to the media, but like now being part of the media kind of and like capitalizing on the media while not talking to the media, you know, like Marshawn Lynch is one of those dudes and he's got an amazing personality. He says the things when he does bother to say, in fact, the things I, I've heard so many stories about Russell Wilson over the years that are somewhat like this in nature. And, and the actual story from Marshawn Lynch was that he reached out to their player personnel dude because he wanted Russell Wilson's number. He said, hey, man, let me get Russ's number. I want to call him. I want to hire at him. And apparently the player personnel guy said he'll call you and then followed up with Marshawn Lynch. Did he call you? And Marshawn Lynch was like, no, I never heard from him. And he said, well, Russell Wilson said he called you. And Marshawn said, no, I just got a call from a blocked number. And the player personnel guy was like, oh, that's him. And so, yes, it seems strange. The only thing I'll say about all this, though, when it comes to Russell Wilson, is clearly he is unusual, I guess, inside a locker room. But also, if you're Russell Wilson and you feel like you've accomplished a certain thing in the league and then had the success that, and we are talking about, you know, Super Bowl winner and all of Super Bowl MVP and everything that Russell Wilson did at one time do in Seattle, if he feels like he accomplished it. And then at some point in his life, you know, he marries a superstar in in her own right and he wants to kind of go a bit more Hollywood and work on his brand more. I don't actually think that's something that everybody should be hating on. So like that actually seems like a smart idea generally speaking for these guys in their futures because the reality is that your football career is only so long even if you're one of the greats it's still only so long you have the rest of your life after that and if you can make your star shine as bright as it can why not do it now doing that at the expense of your teammates, that is where it kind of becomes, it seems like, a problem with Russell Wilson's world. Because I think just piling on him because he's got a beautiful, famous, successful wife, or piling on him because he likes the brand and he seems to kind of like the limelight, which so does everybody else in 2023, I think that in and of itself sounds a lot like jealousy to me and a bit misplaced. And I feel like some of it comes from the fact that he's married to Sierra. Yeah, I, I just, again, it, it's not a conducive mentality to team building and winning. Like, he got his Super Bowl. He almost won another one. But, like, my favorite part my favorite part of that interview with Shannon Sharp is Marshawn said, after throwing that pick to Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl, like, on the goal line, that Russ just, like, jogged off the field and, like, clapped his hands. He's like, ah, I'll get him next time. And they just started laughing. I was like, don't talk to me about it next time. I'll get it next time. Just shut up. Don't talk. Don't say anything. Anything you can and and anything you say can and will be used against you here. Uh, It's just so, it's so me oriented. It feels like from the outside, like it just feels so unorganic, so artificial, I think is the word there. And I don't, I don't blame anybody for, for any player for building their personal brand. Again, like you said, your, your football playing career is extremely finite. Unless you're a kicker or a long snapper, you're only going to be playing for X amount of years, right? If you're lucky. So do everything that you can to, to build your brand and prepare you for life after football. Sure. I just think, you know, it's, it's a little corny how it goes, how he goes about it. I think it's a little corny how he goes about it. And the fact that so many of his former teammates are saying that kind of speaks volume. I'm going to also, I'm going to pull a source here again, not going to name names, but I, I know somebody who got an offer 
from the Denver Broncos last year, right? Got an offer from the Denver Broncos last year. Formerly played with Russ in Seattle. The guy turned down the contract offer strictly because he did not want to play with Russell Wilson again. That's not a great it's not a great look. You're not seeing like free agents flock to Denver because they want to play with Russell Wilson so badly. Like it just it, it again, great quarterback. I'm sure a good person. I have nothing against him personally. I'm sure a great person. Good dad, you know, good father figure, good good male figure, good husband to Sierra by all accounts. Weird teammate though. But like, I think I think teammate. that's where I think that's where like all this criticism and I do this weird thing on this show where I just defend all Wilsons we've discovered because somehow <laughs> I end up defending Zach Wilson and now I defend Russell Wilson so it's like some weird like Wilsons unite or something. But the thing with Russell Wilson to me is we hear all these stories and they're all like a little bit negative like they kind of make him sort of a bleepy teammate but like none of it's like really that terrible you know and and it's not like anyone actually says that he does like these awful things you know and and by all accounts like you said he's he's a good person and it's kind of like people just find him cheesy like that's his huge sin that he's committed that everyone piles on and the truth is Russell Wilson not playing that terrible this season either you know last season sure we can pile on him for last season this season the Denver Broncos have a lot of problems sitting at one and three. Russell Wilson ain't the main one of those problems. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, NBA. We haven't gotten to talk about James Harden, the drama there. He's back with the Philadelphia 76ers. Is there a future for him? This Milwaukee Bucks team got a lot better at the deadline. What has it looked like coming off of media day? We'll do some NBA next. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Damian Lillard is now a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday is a member of the Boston Celtics. James Harden is still a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. I haven't gotten to talk about any of it. A lot has happened in the NBA here over the last week or so's time. And we did have NBA Media Day on Monday. So we got to hear from a lot of these players on a lot of these teams. Let's start with... Uh, James Harden, because the James Harden saga, although he's now with the Philadelphia 76ers, Marcel, he has showed up. He was a notable absence on media day. He wasn't there. We all thought, okay, Harden's putting his foot down. Now he, now he's showing up. He's a positive participant. Okay. Despite that though, 
despite participating in drills, actually being there now the first couple of days and being with the team, he still wants to be traded. And he is making it clear to all the outlets that the trade request is still very much on the table, but he is playing ball. Now, we don't know if the 76ers are playing ball because we know James Harden wants to be traded and we know he wants to be traded to the Clippers if he can manage it. And so far, there has been no budging by this Philadelphia team in honoring his request. Ramona Shelbourne, she is ESPN's senior writer. She was on NBA Today. She discussed how Harden could still help himself get traded. The way he gets himself traded is by rebuilding his value, is by demonstrating I'm still a really good player in this league and I'll show up and I'll play and be professional. Because anyone trading for him right now is trading for him for one year. You you cannot sign him to an extension because he picked up that player option. So I guess increasing his value. Here's the only thing that I'll kind of push back a little bit on on that point by Ramona is just that he kind of showed us last season that he still got value, right? It's not like people don't want him because yeah. he provides no value to franchises. It's all a matter of what are you willing to give up for a guy that, yes, you're concerned about a long-term extension because you're concerned about commitment, you're concerned about work ethic, but most notably at this point in James Harden's career, you're concerned about age. Yeah, the mid-30s now, I, I want to say 35-ish, give or take, 34, 35 I think he's a little younger than that, but yeah, basically. I mean, the thing is, he's lived, he's like, he's one of those guys, he's 34, right? And he feels like an older 34, because, you know, there's just been, it feels like there's been some hard living there with James. Hey, look, he went to my alma mater, he went to Arizona State, I've always said that a year at ASU is more like three years in the real world, so he's a little older than 34 in, in that terms. But, no, he still can play at a high level. Like, his game was never based on, you know, explosive athleticism. It was always, you know, technical, technically sound, getting to the line, uh, court vision, getting teammates involved. Like, that, all that stuff ages pretty well. And, and obviously, he's a good shooter, so uh, an elite shooter. So, you know, all of, the, all of those traits age fairly well. The problem with James is yes, you know, you you're concerned the older you get, the more concerned you are with with injuries and conditioning. Um he shrunk a bit in, in the playoffs as well and late in games, you know, hesitancy to to shoot and to assert himself there. So you you kind of wonder, okay, at this point in his career does he need to be like the the 1B? Does he need to be the Robin right now to somebody else's Batman? Uh you know, I think maybe if he's a third option like he would be in 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 L.A. with Kawhi and Paul George, like yeah, as a, as a distributor, uh, a high end distributor, I think that could work. But again, like I think the Sixers are in a space right now, and that we've seen from a lot of teams across multiple sports across the NFL as well, where teams are kind of retaking their power in this era of player movement and and you know player empowerment. You know, where we kind of got used to seeing guys say, "I want to go, I want to go here," and then it happens. But we saw in Portland, Portland's like, we're not playing that with you. We saw it in Indianapolis when and, and New York, you know, in the NFL, when Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley said the same, we want to be traded, we want to go. And they're like, well, tough. We're going to do what's best for the team. So it's like kind of like a weird transition of power back toward teams, right? You know, and uh, you know, there's another guy in Dame Lillard, like we just said, in Portland, who <laughs> I can't think of a more polar opposite place to land up. He says, I want to go to Miami. They said... Here's Milwaukee. Right. 
I know. Everyone was, I mean, it's just wild. Everyone was acting like, oh, they did him a favor. It's like, well, not really. I mean, he did ask to go live in Miami, and it's a long season. This ain't the (laughs) NFL where he's only going to be there for a short amount of time and then live the rest of the offseason in Miami anyways. Like, this is the NBA. It's a little bit of a different thing. Living in Milwaukee all that time ain't quite the same, and I'm not saying that as an insult on Milwaukee. I'm just telling you what Damian Lillard had requested, right? I've never been. I'm sure it is. I've heard good things. It's just there's some reason there that Damian Lillard wanted to be a member of the Miami Heat and live down there. And so, yes, I'm sure he's happy that he ended up on a championship contending team as opposed to them sending him to, you know, Siberia. But at the same time, he's still playing basketball at a very high level at the same time. It's not exactly where he asked to be. And it was the Portland Trailblazers putting the Portland Trailblazers first. It was also Joe Cronin being petty as heck. And in being petty, he made darn sure that he was going to send a message to everyone and the entire league and all the players and the NBA PA that, hey, this isn't the day anymore where players get anything they want when they choose to sign the extension. And Damian Lillard didn't have to sign that extension and give Portland the power a couple years before that. He could have rejected that whole thing, and then he would have retained the power, and he could have ended up and controlled his own destiny. But he chose not to do that because he wanted the dollars. And if you want the dollars, which also makes sense, then you end up relinquishing (laughs) a little of the power in return. James Harden, though, is in a very different situation, I would argue, than Damian Lillard because the Philadelphia 76ers feel like they're in a different situation, frankly, than the Portland Trailblazers for two big reasons. First of all, Portland's not a big free agent destination anyways. So what does Joe Cronin care if all of a sudden all the players in the league are mad because they know the big superstars, if they go to Portland, that he's not going to send them where they want to go if they want out. Who cares? None of them are going there anyways. That's a team that has to draft their talent right, and that's how the Portland Trailblazers end up getting better, or they have to trade for their talent. So they're not exactly a free agent destination in that respect. They don't have to worry so much about that narrative. That's not true for the Philadelphia 76ers. So that's number one. And then number two is that the Philadelphia 76ers have a huge superstar reigning MVP on their hands who they need to keep happy in Joel Embiid. And right now that man is very, very unhappy. And this mess with James Harden doesn't feel like it's helping that situation with Joel Embiid. So it's an interesting, I think, move by Daryl Morey, who has showed time and again that he will be incredibly patient getting rid of a player until he gets what he wants. But also at some point here, it might come at the expense of Joel Embiid if he's not happy with the way things are going. Yeah, I'm so happy that you said Daryl Morey's name because I was racking my brain like, why can I not think? I keep wanting to say Kevin McHale, but I know that's not right. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Obviously, these two have history dating yes. back to their days, in, you know, in in Houston. And also, like at, at some point, if you're if you're Morey, if you're the 76ers, you feel like you're you're rewarding Harden's behavior. This is the third team now that he's tried to force his way out of. And while typically I'm on, I'm pro player, I am pro player movement, player powerment, all of the above. But dude, this is the third time that you've effectively quit on a situation that you no longer like. And it's not like, you know, in, in Houston where that team stopped being a contender whatsoever. And it stopped there. You know, it's a different situation than in uh, Brooklyn where, Kyrie Irving kind of blew that whole thing up by being unreliable, and that big three never really materialized. Nothing has materially changed in Philadelphia. This is still a contending team. It's still one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't know what the problem is with 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 James Harden. Why he no longer likes this scenario, or why he thinks you know it's any different than 
it was when he asked to be traded there, you know, a, a couple years ago. But this is just this almost feels whimsical at this point that you're kind of giving in to the whimsical needs of a star or essentially former star because he's a backseat. I think he's a, he's a Robin at this point in his career. Like, you know, no, like you, you can't reward that type of behavior at some point, at some point, if you're a team, you have to put your foot down. So I do respect the 76, the 76 ers for doing that. And also, you know, you got to think about returning. Like you have a valuable asset here. You traded a valuable asset or formerly valuable asset in Ben Simmons, your former number one pick. You expect a certain level of return back and you're just simply not getting that from the one destination that Harden has circled where he wants to go. But Daryl Morey has shown us that he will be patient. I mean, he took a a year to trade Ben Simmons, but also James Harden has showed us that he will make a mess of things. And that's really what you have to do in order to force your way out. Now, he's not right now. Right now he's there. He's participating in drills. But if this continues on, I wonder if at some point here he puts back on the fat suit, he makes as much of a mess as he can there to try to get out of Philadelphia. Reportedly, the Clippers had offered the Sixers an unprotected first some pick swaps. Daryl Morey had already turned that down. He wants things like Terrence Mann in that deal as well. I just don't know how much at this point James Harden commands, frankly. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Marcel Louis-Jacques filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight, but we missed Ian so much. We can't get through a Friday evening without some Ian Fitzsimmons in our life. So let's bring in my co-host. And Ian, (laughs) thanks for giving us some of your time here on your own show. I appreciate you. You are in Minnesota standing me up tonight. Why? Uh, Michigan, Minnesota. Look, you know, I, I go where uh, the bosses tell me to go. So, uh, you know, Kesty and uh, Kelly Stoffer, former Seattle Seahawks and, and Colorado State Ram quarterback. We've got Michigan and many tomorrow. And uh, we'll be, you know, P.J. Fleck will be rowing the boat. And uh, Michigan will be coming in with Amber. Let this sink in. All right. Like, like Georgia last year had the most draft picks in one class in the history of the NFL draft with 15 guys selected last year. I have talked to several NFL scouts that all independent of one another said that Michigan, if everyone that they expect to declare does declare for the NFL draft, will break Georgia's all-time record set just last year. That is how deep and talented this Michigan team is. They, one, one, one NFL scout told me that seven, not, not, not just their starting five, but seven offensive linemen will be taken in the NFL draft from Seven. Michigan alone. Seven. Man, they are, they are filthy deep. It, it's insane. And just watching tape on these guys, I know they haven't played anybody yet, but, you know, and, and I don't know. I mean, Minnesota's going to have to play their best game, and Michigan's going to have to play a C game to, for Minnesota to be in this thing. And I, I'll never, you know, short any P.J. Fleck coach football team. But damn, Amber, Michigan is loaded. And when I say loaded, they might be top to bottom the most talented team in college football. I'm not, I'm not kidding, and I know they haven't played anybody, but I can't wait to watch them when they do because, damn, they are deep. 
So yeah, we know like the Blake Corms and the JJ McCarthy's of the world, and you know, without having to dig too deep into the offensive lineman bag, like who's a name here that maybe most of college football or casual fo- college football NFL draft fans don't know who's going to be on their radar come uh, come draft season. See, here, here comes Marcel. I used to have the deepest voice in this show, and all of a sudden he comes in, man, like, just, with that big ass baritone, right? Uh, Chris Jenkins, man. I mean, you know, Chris Jenkins, ninety-four from Michigan, a senior defensive tackle. Keen man is not even a three-star edge recruit, but they looked at him and went, "You know what? We put thirty pounds in this guy, and he's got edge quickness, but a bull rush mentality. I mean, he is an absolute beast, and he's going to be a late first-round draft pick." Both edge guys are going to go. And if you, you, you're just looking at the offensive line, Zach Zinter is just a mean as a rattlesnake at guard. He's going to be in the league, you know, eight to ten years minimum, number 65. Uh, and then you mentioned Blake Corum. He's on the all-hug team. Dude's country strong. I mean, he grew up on a farm in Virginia, you know, and just works his tail off. And I had a long conversation with him earlier this week, and Amber and I, you know, when we when – we, Played it last night. I mean, you hear in his tone of voice how his upbringing really grounds him. He doesn't view himself as some kind of a first round or second round type draft pick. He just views himself as another guy. So, and then JJ McCarthy. Nobody's talking about this dude, Marcel. Nobody. He's completing eighty percent of his passes. Ten tuds, only three picks. One of them really wasn't even on him. It was deflected. And we all talk about you know Caleb Williams and Drake May. You know, and now, you know, Shador Sanders. But nobody is really talking about J.J. McCarthy. And if he decides to come out, and if I were him, and he keeps playing at this level, with not just your your starting five, who are all, by the way, either seniors or grad seniors, right? Fifth-year guys. Every single one of them in front of them. You lose all those dudes and you keep playing at this level, and they're saying, all right, you're late first. Hey, you know what I'm doing? If my, my entire protective unit in front of me is, is leaving and my top two backs in Corm and Donovan Edwards, my butt is gone too. They are deep, dude. I mean, I'm talking filthy, nasty, deep. And I now sit to the point where I might be going, you know what? I have Georgia number one, Texas two. I might the I might start thinking that Michigan might be the most talented team in college football. Not kidding. And that is certainly something to watch for in this matchup here against Minnesota. You mentioned J.J. McCarthy, and also you mentioned our conversation yesterday with Blake Corum. We played that on Amber and Ian. If you missed anything here on Amber and Ian, always check out the podcast on the ESPN app. But talk to me about how J.J. McCarthy is sort of handling maybe not being in the limelight as much as some of these other quarterbacks. You mentioned the near 80 percentage or 80 percent completion percentage here, over a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. He's doing this, playing a limited amount of quarters so far in the five games this season. His QBR of 94.2 ranks first in college football. The numbers are there, Ian. Why is he being overlooked? Because Caleb Williams and Shador Sanders and Drake May. That's the only reason I've got for you, Amber. And he's just, he's so grounded. He doesn't care if you're not talking about him. As a matter of fact, he prefers it. So does Blake Corum. I mean, you heard it when we talked to him last night, right? I mean, these guys are just, they don't play for the man in the mirror. They play for the dude next to him. And McCarthy is one of those guys where he just really doesn't care if he gets the accolades. I mean, he truly doesn't. All that guy wants to do is go win ball games. If, he, if you want him to hand it off 40 times during a game to win, he'll do it. You need him to throw it 30, 40 times in a game. He'll do it. 
And he's got, you know, NFL talent at, at wideout. Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, you know, the tight end, A.J. Barner, 89. I mean, that's a big dude. He's every bit of, what, 6'6", 255, 260. I mean, he, he, they have all that talent, the weapons on the outside. But, again, J.J. McCarthy's one of those guys where he just does what he's told to do. And he does not care about individual accolades. And that, that's, that's a remarkable part about this Michigan football team. And again, I can't emphasize it enough. When you talk to NFL scouts, and Marcel, knowing you like we do, you're going to be hanging up, right? And tomorrow, yeah, you're going to be calling your your your, your scouting buddies, going, "Is <laughs> Michigan that deep?" Because this fat, inbred Southerner that I talked to last night was telling me that they may have <laughs> 17 to 20 guys drafted, and they're going to go, "Yeah, if they all declare, they will have 17 to 20 guys drafted coming up in the 2024 draft." They are that good and that deep. Now, Ian, I'm kind of a I'm a nerd at heart. I'm I'm a comic book and a superhero guy. <laughs> Spider Man, Peter Parker's uncle once told him, "With great power comes great responsibility." Right. So, if you've got 17 to 20 guys who NFL scouts are saying will be drafted if they declare, how much pressure does it put on them and Jim Harbaugh to succeed, finally cross that echelon and win a national title this year? Oh, let me flip that around on you because right now, how many people are talking about Michigan? Not any. Nobody. Nobody. They're the number two team in the country, coach, and nobody's talking about them. It's all about how Auburn almost beat Georgia or Alabama's a bit banged up, right? I can't, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Bama at Texas A&M because Kyle Field can get absolutely medieval. I mean, and, and the game of the day tomorrow – is obviously the Red River rivalry where my daughter conned me into getting four tickets for her, right? So <laughs> she'll be dropping a lot of our hard-earned money you know, at the Texas State Fair and then rolling in to watch Oklahoma and Texas go at it. Those are the teams everybody's talking about. But nobody is really talking about Michigan in large part because they haven't played anybody. You know, so to, to answer your question, you know, they, they, they've flown on the radar. They, they have all that you know, great power, but the responsibility so far has just been to the guy next to them. That's it. They, they aren't feeling any weight. They're not feeling any pressure. They're just, they're just going out and playing ball for the dude who's, who's padding up next to them. That's it. And it's crazy when you think about it because they are the number two team in the country. And I cannot remember, maybe you guys can think of one, but I don't remember coming into week six of the college football season, a, a second-ranked team with that much talent, that has been talked about as little as this squad has. I heard Stephen A. Smith say today on First Take that no one's talking about Georgia. Now we're talking about how no one's talking about what? Michigan. It's weird that we're in Wait a, a situation. No about That's what he said. I, I beg to differ, but I'm Get such an SEC kind of gal. defending champs. Are you kidding? Wait, what? I, I guess maybe people are spending some of the coverage on these teams that have more question marks for Georgia. Yeah, he's is becoming he's a bit too more. Much time on, the, on the cowboy hate. That's what he's doing. No, well, that's ahead. true. Yeah. He, he's a little bit too focused on that. Ian Fitzsimmons joining us here on Amber and Ian. Marcel Louis Jacques filling in tonight for Ian. So let's talk about that game. You mentioned the Red River rivalry. We got some good matchups around college football this weekend. If I told you that you could go to one game and not the game that you're covering, not Michigan Minnesota, but you could go to one game, <laughs> which game is Ian Fitzsimmons going to? Oh man, that's a good one because you got LSU, Missouri. Uh, mm-hmm. That's Missouri's trying to go six and zero, and my daughter Marin, as you know, Amber Marcel, she's a 
She's a diehard. My youngest, Marin, is a diehard. I mean, you cut her open, it, it, it's purple and gold that, that pours out of her veins, right? So uh, I would have an eye on that one just from a personal perspective. But Kentucky, Georgia is another good one. It's a great slate tomorrow. But I mean, if you cho- told me I, could go, I had to go to one game and one game only, it's Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, Oklahoma's Absolutely. got, you know, so many transfer portal guys that are in, and they're, they're, they're clicking. I mean, that's not easy to do. But, you know, Gabriel's playing at such a remarkable level of quarterback. And, and Brent Venables has now got guys that understand his defensive system, and they're stalking prey out there. And then you look at Texas. I mean, they, Texas probably, in my opinion, has, and you guys may disagree with this, and, and if, you, if you do, go right ahead. This is why I would go to that game if you give me one. Texas has the best resume. They went on the road to Big Bad Bama, down in, in, in the second quarter, and still won by double digits. He just beat the number 24 team in the country and hung a 40-burger on them. So, you know, Texas, to me, and this is one of the great rivalries in college football, in all of athletics. I don't know if you guys have ever been, but when that stadium is split 50-50 and you're on that line where five feet from you is your enemy, that I mean, I, I sat there one time, and the people watching is like Disney World on crack. It is <laughs> unbelievable. And Harry, I mean, if you ate any student's eyeball on that on that split, right, you're drunk for a week. I mean, it is absolutely <laughs> insane. So you give me one just on talent on the field, animosity on the field and in the stands, and pure atmosphere at the Texas State Fair. I guess I got to get on a plane, go right back home, and just head to uh, to Oklahoma and Texas because it's going to be a dandy. Yeah, it already looked like a heck of an atmosphere and all the coverage I was watching today. Apparently, they're having a cricket problem at the Cotton Bowl, but I guess they'll get that worked out before tomorrow. Oklahoma, Texas is coming your way at noon tomorrow. But Ian Fitzsimmons, he is on the call for Michigan, Minnesota, the second-ranked Wolverines. That game kickoff is tomorrow, 7.30 p.m., which I imagine means that our coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, Ian, right here on ESPN Radio. I don't know. I get there three and a half hours before kick. So right. Just everyone fire up their radios all day long. <laughs> you wait for Ian Fitzsimmons to get on that call. Thanks, Ian. See you guys. Marcel, keep her out of the ditch, please, will you? <laughs> I'm going to do my best, man. Nobody can keep me out of the ditch. How dare he? So Michigan-Minnesota tomorrow, 730. you got the Red River rivalry at noon. You've got Kentucky-Georgia at 7 p.m. tomorrow. Georgia Tech-Miami, 8 p.m. tomorrow. Notre Dame-Louisville, your other double-ranked matchup tomorrow, 730 p.m. Vautech-Florida State, 330. Some good matchups this weekend and some conference matchups this weekend alike. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, where in the world am I? That's a little game that we we like to play here on Amber and Ian Plus. We're going to make our ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenges for Week 5 in the NFL. In the world is Amber Wilson. Oh, just coming in with it. That's a little fun that we like to have here on Amber and Ian. Ain't nothing I came up with. That's for darn sure. Uh, but James Steele and the APs have had some fun coming up with that one because, and Marcel Louis-Jacques filling in for Ian tonight, because Marcel, I am always traveling, according to the crew that. around here, and I am rarely in one place, and it is true, like we, in my household, we get like we get antsy, like if I'm home for two weeks, it's weird, I like it, but it, it's almost weird, and my husband will start being like, okay, where are we going, where's our next trip, what are we, ne- <laughs> what are we doing, you know, like this is strange that, that we're just home, so sometimes it's for work. Sometimes it's for pleasure. Right now, 
I am in Atlanta, Georgia. So I am not home in Florida. I am in Atlanta. I came up here to visit my my brother and his family. And so I brought my, my son up here. And my son is probably still up right now at 9.50 p.m. Eastern partying, which is very late for my four-year-old son. But it's a special night. So there you go. That's where I am. That's where in the world is Amber Wilson is Atlanta, Georgia this time. Love that. Um, exotic, sp- but. I haven't got to spend a whole lot of time in Atlanta, even though I lived in Greenville, South Carolina, and Charlotte, North Carolina uh, a few years back. Didn't spend a whole lot of time there in the ATL. I got a lot of friends that are familiar with it or Atlanta sports fans or this or that. I have spent enough time to understand it is maybe the worst traffic city in America. Mm-hmm. At least well, bottom three, right? Yeah, well, so is Miami. <laughs> yeah, and you and I what... both lived there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would argue, in my experience, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and Miami. And I would put Miami at number one, but that's the only one of those three cities I've actually lived in. Now, I've spent a lot of time in Atlanta uh, because of my brother. And it, just, it depends. Like, if you're commuting, it's terrible. The traffic here is terrible. If you are fortunate enough to work inside the perimeter and live inside the perimeter or live outside the perimeter and work outside the perimeter, then it's okay. But when you have to live outside the perimeter like most people do and they work inside the perimeter and have to commute, if you know anything about Atlanta, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's when it's an absolute nightmare. But otherwise, big ups to Atlanta, George. I actually really, really like this city. I know my brother and his family absolutely love it here. Are the Atlanta Falcons going to be part of our ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge? I don't know how to segue other than that, James. And Atlanta <laughs> isn't very good this season, so it's not a great segue, but it's an NFL team, so there's that. Hit it, Harry. This is a challenge. Challenge. This is ESPN Radio's Pick'em Challenge. All right, it's not the Atlanta Falcons. James, yeah. who is it? All right, first up, the Jaguars and the Bills in London. The Bills are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. So you're picking against the spread here. So the uh, who and the Bills? I'm confused. The Jaguars. No, no. Okay, the Jaguars. The The Jaguars. The Jaguars. Okay. Mm -hmm. Jaguars and the Mm -hmm. Bills in London. The Bills are five and a half point favorites. Marcel, I am going to take the Bills here. The Bills are in a spot right now, and this is what scares me about this team. Their their press conferences. If you pay attention to them today. Josh Allen's talking about like the amount of caffeine he's taken in, you know, who's got the best uh, British accent. He's talking about, oh, you know, I think I, I have a good Australian, but I don't know about British. Like They're so stress-free right now that I think they're going to go into Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday and beat the spots off the Jaguars. Give me the pills, five and a half. I'm going to hammer that. There's two ways to look at that. Or maybe they're a little loosey-goosey over there in London, and they're sleeping on the Jags a bit because the Jags have been disappointing so far this season. But also... You can't overlook that team because they do still have weapons and they do still have a good coach and they seemingly have a very good quarterback as well. I'm still going to go Bills here. You and I have to agree on this because this gets put in the pot against all the other ESPN radio shows. So the Amber and Ian reputation is on the line, (laughs) but I think we're both comfortable going Bills, even though the Jags are London's team. The only hesitation I have here is that this is a home game basically for the Jags, right? Even though the Bills are are technically the home team because it feels like the Jags are London's team. But I'll still go Bills because they're the best. Jaguars have been over there, too. They yeah. home, so. They've been there Jaguars. for a full week. Now it's, it's more of a home game than usual. That's they big. played the Falcons. Falcons, there you go. They there played the Falcons last that, week. That would have been... In Andy's room. Can we room. rewind and redo the segue? That would have been a beautiful segue. All right, up next, the Ravens are four-point favorites in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. 
The only I get the hesitation I have here is where this game is, Marcel. I don't I'm not super high on the Ravens. I think you're higher on the Ravens than I am. And I think you're even maybe more down on Pittsburgh than I am, but I'm still taking the Ravens here and I'm taking the Ravens minus four. Yeah, I'm way lower on the Steelers than I think you are. Uh I, I just I haven't seen anything redeeming out of this offense. It's a bad O line. Good skill players. I don't think Kenny Pickett is particularly good. Um, look, I'm not one to count out a Mike Tomlin team. Like he has shown through hell or high water, he's going to get this team to a winning record. It's just not going to look pretty. Uh, I've got the Ravens here. I don't care if the game is on Mars, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Doesn't matter to me. Give me the Ravens. I've had local people in Pittsburgh message me. Hey, you should hear the narrative here about Mike Tomlin. Oh. And I know there's a lot of Steelers fans that are out on Mike Tomlin and the whole, you know, fool's gold revol- involving the whole winning record thing. And, and nationally, obviously, our feelings, our narrative about Mike Tomlin are a little bit different. He's widely, widely respected. And I'm one of those people that does fall into that camp. I think Mike Tomlin's a hell of a coach. You can make an argument he's the best coach, frankly, in the entire NFL. But beyond that... This Steelers team is hard for me to really feel confident about. I'm not out on Kenny Pickett yet, like James Steele is, but I'm not it on this team beating the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, oh, don't even get me started, though, on Pittsburgh home media. I don't think that there is a more home team friendly beat or not beat, just group apart from maybe one or two. I'm not going to name names, but apart from one or two, I, I have never seen a local media love a team more than than Pittsburgh home media. There's one in particular who's pretty bad. You know, talk about Mason Rudolph as the best backup in the in the NFL and stuff like. It's just right. it's a tough beat to real keep quick, up. One, we've got one to more get. real quick. Cowboys at 49ers. 49ers are a four point favorite at home. I'm only, I'll, I'll take the Niners because it's at home. But man, I don't feel great about it. I feel great. I think the Niners are the best team in the NFL, though. Yeah, I'll I mean, that's the, the argument you can make. It's in San Francisco. I just think the Cowboys are also one of the very best teams in the NFL, but we'll take the 49ers. All favorites. Hey, look at that. We didn't go outside the box. We'll see if Q Myers is going outside the box. He's up next with Myron Metcalf.